Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing UK markets and a number of UK equities, as well as taking a look at the global macro picture and to do that we're once more kindly joined by alan green alan thank you very much for being with us today hello again john good to be back it's uh you know that quiet time of the year when you do get a little bit lower uh liquidity especially here in london when the sun's out um but we're seeing some very sharp moves out there today alan of course inflation data came in this morning for may hitting 9.1 percent I mean, for you, Alan, that figure there, I mean, how much is of a concern? Just that headline figure, you know, let's not look at forecasts, um, you know, down the line, what it may be. And, you know, let's not drill down into, you know, too much into the figures. Of course, that's important. But that that figure, 9.1% inflation in May, you know, how important is that for the psychology of the markets? Well, it feels like we're we're in a recession already, doesn't it, John? Uh, and I think um, I think that's the kind of feeling it, it engenders. Um, and of course, we're seeing as well. Uh, and I, I know it's affected you, and it's affected my movements this week too. We've got this huge oil strike, which has effectively crippled the country. Um, it, you know, it crippled it yesterday, crippled it tomorrow, and uh, I think it's estimated to cost the service industry some some half a billion um, per day every time the, the real disruption takes place. But, of course, it, um, in times of high inflation, um, it triggers behavioural changes too. And, of course, we've got uh, – we're seeing this rail strike, um, you know, members uh, – uh, union members striking for higher pay. And what inflation means in real terms is a reduction in the standard of living. And, of course, for people that are on the poverty line, it means they've – fallen below the poverty line. And for those um, who are members of unions, it might just prompt them to ask their union bosses to take strike action. So we could see the net result of this could be that we'll see more strike action simply because members are, the members of those unions are getting paid less in real terms. So so we could find that inflation feeds this Union uh, unionization, um, and of course we've got you know huge increases in in factory prices too. You know that's the price factory input costs. They're rising twenty two percent a year. I mean that's just huge. So I mean manufacturers out there straight away that's twenty two percent off the bottom line that they have they have to sort of they have to swallow. And then factory gate prices, the price of products leaving leaving the factory are also up. 15.7 percent and and that that's the highest since 1977 so we're we're seeing really for the current generation unprecedented uh um economic uh, or shifts in uh, the economy and and uh, the behavior of the economy and that will trigger and have have consequences in terms of the way um people out there respond to it um and of course that's if it's if it's sustained if we are seeing the peak in inflation, and I think uh, there are a lot of arguments uh, for that. Given that, of course, the the uh, the, the Russia invasion, um, the, uh, the the spike in energy prices, the spike in food prices, because of course Ukraine's one of the biggest um, uh, producers of of, uh, of soft commodities, uh, corn and uh, barley, and so on. Um, and of course, that's impacted 
the price of uh, I think the price of raw commodities or soft commodities has risen some 25%. So you've got all of this to take into account. Um, but uh, it really, th- there are some significant differences uh, underlying this. And of course, in the, um, in the 80s, we had not only runaway inflation, we also had runaway interest rates. Um, that's now changed. The Bank of England have control of, of interest rates. And also, in terms of the sophistication of financial markets, um, the way or the tools available at the the Bank of England and uh, the US Central Bank and the European Central Bank, the tools available at their disposal, such as um, asset purchases uh, 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 and, and so on, has changed the way um, the the, uh, the both the markets and also the economy responds. So. I think we're going to see some firm action uh, as we go forward on the part of central banks and governments to to tackle this issue. So it's my belief that I think we could see inflation peaking for um, a while yet over the summer. But as we go towards the autumn, I think we will see see those those these huge inflation uh, numbers start to, start to uh, diminish. Yes, I mean you touched there on central bank action and that, and that's really been a driver so far of uh, the market's reaction to that of course we've got interest rates here of now 1.25% in the UK over the United States um it's uh, around you know they have a, a range there 1.5 to 1.75 um for their interest rates now that to me gives them a lot of space to maneuver mm. if um, you, you look at those interest rates and maybe they were 1% lower than what they are now, it wouldn't give them a huge amount to ease if we do see a recession. So, I mean, for, for these central banks, I think they're probably going to push on and actually look at further uh, rate hikes uh, throughout the summer, yep. knowing that as we come into the autumn, they're going to have plenty of space. They've obviously um, stopped and re- reducing their asset purchases in most of the major central banks now, they've got all of those tools at their disposal. So it's actually quite an interesting uh, prospect that we're probably, you know, if we're not already, but we're very close to a recession. If we've got here in the UK a contraction in GDP of 0.3% in April, you know, as you've just outlined there, Alan, mm. a huge uh, hit to the to the UK economy from the train strikes uh, today. You know, you, you'd have to look at that and then have a think about what that impact's going to have. So it, it, it's, it's not inconceivable to think that we are actually in a recession, and, you know, and that sort of forward-looking uh, you know, way that markets uh, look at the economic data, when we actually get the, the news that we're, we're in a recession, that's probably going to be largely priced in. And at that point, then we then have a central bank uh, here in the UK and the United States should have plenty of room uh, to to move to ease to stimulate the economy, so I think to some extent they're probably saying we're going to have a recession. We're going we're going to um, to some extent push economies into recession, knowing that you know we're going to have the tools to to get ourselves out of it on the other side. So you know probably a you know a few tough months ahead um, in the economy and the market, but um, you know there could be some some opportunities there when people start to look through towards the uh, the end of the year and um, you know what central banks are going to be able to do uh, to get economies back on their feet so Alan now let's just look at the first company 
that we're going to touch on today. And it, and it, it is quite uh, a fitting one as we've been speaking about the economy because it's, you know, it's a relative bellwether of uh, the housing market. Uh, Barclay Group Holdings, looking at the shares today, Alan, down 6%, um, but they're, they're actually returning quite a considerable sum to uh, to shareholders. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, I mean, Barclays, uh, as you say, down down uh, nearly 6.5% today. Um, and uh, this is a company that's in, in the one area that, as of yet, doesn't seem to be affected by the higher interest rates or recession. Um, I mean, the uh, you know, the, it seems that despite... The, the fact that the group uh, or the, the group having to pay more, you've got increases in building materials, you've got inter, in, interest rates rising, cost of loan crisis, um, people are still buying new homes. Sales are up 6.4% uh, um, you know, on, the, on, on the year, you know, we, 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 which is quite a, an incredible performance. Whether when they report at the end of the year, whether those numbers will still be the same is another matter altogether. But, um, but certainly... Um, Barclay is looking to, uh, it's getting value, of course, from the houses it's selling. Revenues up 6.6% at 2.3 billion. It sold 33% more homes this year than this time last year. Um, but uh, uh, the margins, operating margins, declined 1.2 percentage points, um, uh, d- driven driven sort of by uh by lower average selling price overall um so you know there's there is still that, that we are still seeing movement in housing prices uh um to the downside but nonetheless the volume is still there and of course um uh overall profit for the group for that period uh rose six and a half percent to just over half a billion five point five hundred and fifty one million in total so um so so it's 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 delivering a great return sees housing prices going forward continuing to offset infl- uh, offset cost inflation so so that's uh, that's a pretty bullish outlook because i think i think uh, you know we we the macro backdrop now is probably one of the most negative we've seen for many years and of course um given all those tools we've just discussed john um uh, that um central banks have uh to deal with the financial crisis um uh, today that they didn't have say back in the 70s um we we're, we're actually in, in uncharted territory you know we don't quite know how this will pan out but i think i think there's there's a lot more certainty now going forward than there would have been in the 70s but but nonetheless um you know barclays uh, going forward they've they they also announced um, a share a share buyback as well it's targeting 280 million uh, in shareholder returns each year in dividends or buybacks um, and uh, the group are going to update on the dividends that it will pay out on the 11th of August. So good news for shareholders, despite the falling share price, because shares are just at year lows now, £36 a share, um, just uh, 30, uh, £35 per share is the year low, down from uh, nearly £54 a share on the year. So so if you continue to hold Barclays shares, then you're in line for a special dividend, which will, of course, um, uh, you know, no, no doubt please you greatly. But certainly, I think um, going forward, this is probably one of the few sectors that I think will prove to be fairly resilient. And there might actually be some bargains out there. And certainly with the share buybacks and, and dividends that the group the group are looking to pay out going forward, Barclay Group could very well be uh, be the one to put your money into. Yes, indeed. And certainly there are some investors out there which share 
that sentiment, Alan, because just looking here, when we started recording, indeed, uh, uh, Barclay Group was down uh, 6%. But as uh, you know, just in these uh, last 10 or 15 minutes or so, uh, they've seen quite uh, quite a pickup. So we're, we're trading around £35, now trading quite comfortably back above that £36 level. So as you point out, you know, looking forward, you know, these shares are at uh, relatively good valuations uh, historically. And obviously with the housing market, it is cyclical. So if we see any downside, when the economy picks up, surely the UK housing market will pick up with it. So, Alan, now let's move on to the second stock we're going to discuss, discuss today. Um, so that's Coincilium. It's been a particularly volatile market out there in, in crypto assets. We've seen sharp declines. Um, Coincilium is one that we've discussed on the podcast previously, Alan. But would you have to give listeners a bit of a background to what they do and how they operate within the market and their and their latest updates? Yes, of course. Uh, uh, so, so Coincilium is a blockchain, open finance, and crypto finance venture building company. Um, um, his, going back a few years, it was the first blockchain company ever to list on a stock exchange in 2015. Um, and it's got joint ventures with uh, a number of companies to uh, to develop um, various assets and and uh, and um, uh, um, operations within the the crypto the, the open finance and crypto finance sector um, the company also uh, has um, a a large amount of treasury um, held in crypto so the share price over the uh, over the past few few months has has declined but not if you look at the chart of Coincilium, you're not seeing a, a Bitcoin chart or anything like that where literally things have fallen off a cliff. The shares are now trading at um, 2.7p, uh, um, just uh, uh, giving the company a market capitalization of 4.8 million. It's come down from year highs, uh, year highs of about... Uh, well, um, just over, um, I think 14p was the highest on the year. And of course, last year we had a big spike in line with the boom in NFTs. Um, but the, the group are well positioned. They announced um, they announced full year results uh, um, uh, ending the year in a strong cash position with over 1.5 million in cash. Uh, so from 174,000 at the end of, sorry, 173,000 at the end of the previous year, and about 2.2 million in crypto treasury reserves, um, and that's mainly in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Well, of course, those two have come down, but um, if there is a recovery in the crypto sector, it will be led by these two. Um, and also, it's important to note that uh, whilst um, Coincilium invests into new ventures. Um, it doesn't hold. Uh, it, it doesn't hold its cash in uh, in riskier tokens, riskier early stage tokens, or tokens related to second tier and early stage projects, which of course um, can literally um, disappear overnight. Um, so, so the company's managed uh, managed uh, expectations well in that regard. Um, certainly, uh, since the uh, results were announced. Um, the well, and prior to the uh, results being announced, um, several agreements were were signed. Um, the company has an investment into uh, Green Gauge, which which is a which is a new generation uh, uh, bank, a, a new sort of open finance uh, banking company, which is which is developing a group of assets. Um, it also has um, 
an, uh, a, a, an agreement and uh, advisory agreement with Silter Finance to uh, to to develop uh, um, uh, 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 tokens, and uh, it has purchased a small amount of tokens within the Silter ecosystem. Uh, Silter's building a bridge uh, connecting decentralized finance to um, sustainability conscious infrastructure project developers, which is, uh, of course, very, very, very current and, and very key. Um, and today, the company announced it assigned um, a simple agreement for future tokens or a SAFT with a company called uh, GGS.io. And um, this is a this is a token or this is a utility token based uh, gaming ecosystem, which is focused on Latin America. Um, and Latin America, you know, d- despite the poverty there, there's um, uh, there's there's a, a lot of activity um, in Web3 and social mobility. Um, and, and across the across this network, the company's building the first LATAM blockchain gaming hub. Um, and this is what... Uh, this is what is the essence of Coinstellium. It has those assets. It's developing revenue streams in a number of areas, and then it invests into these um, open finance and, uh, and and crypto ventures. So the company is in in very sound sound uh, uh, shape financially, looking very very strong. And I think um, if there is uh, if we do see a recovery in crypto finance, if we see Bitcoin, if we see Ethereum recover as the year progresses. Coincilium is going to be very much a beneficiary of that. And of course, the, the blue sky potential within the shares is that some of these projects that uh, the companies involved in, in or is, is advising in um, could, could well go through the roof. Also worth noting as well, um, earlier uh, early this year, the company signed um, what the, uh, signed agreement to advise global lifestyle fashion brand Black. Now, Black is spelled B-L-V-C-K, so... Those that know it will know, um, and uh, this was to advise Black on its NFT collection launch, and this went absolutely viral across social media. And um, and you know, obviously, John, we we published content and everything, put this out there. But um, the the tweets that Coin Selling were putting out in association with Black went absolutely viral. I mean, that they, they were huge. You know, many many hundreds of retweets and likes, and um, I think it was in the thousands, actually. So so that's, you know, that was a very high-profile venture for the group. And, um, yeah, I think it's uh, set for a very strong year um, as we go forward uh, into the second half of uh, 2022. So with, with companies like this, uh, Alan, we, we spoke on a prior podcast this week about the overall market um, for, for, for crypto uh, currencies. But with a company like this, it's operating businesses within crypto assets i mean if we see a stabilization of bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies around current levels and bitcoin around that twenty thousand dollar mark are companies like coincilium able to go out and, and build out their businesses um or do they rely you know if you're looking at the share prices and obviously what they have in reserve and how they hold um their funds on a higher and continue rally of cryptocurrencies, in particular Bitcoin. Are they able to go out and build their operations, you know, at these lower levels? Very much so. Uh, I mean, the I think the thing is, we're all guilty to some degree of looking at um, the crypto sector and just thinking of Bitcoin and Ethereum, and that's probably where the level at which most people engage 
with crypto, but but it's a huge blockchain is a, a massive industry, and that's literally the tip of the iceberg. Um, so for Coincilium, uh, yeah, ending the year with one and a half million in cash and two point two million in crypto, that kind of puts the group at uh, getting off of four million. And of course, the company has a market capitalization of four point eight million at the moment. So very little is attributed to the upside potential in the projects the group is working on. But um, it's in a very strong position, and that's why it's able to participate in these different ventures. Some of those tokens, of course, will be riskier. But uh, the team, uh, of course, run by Chief Executive Eddie Travia, um, and uh, and and of course the, uh, the, uh, the 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 joint venture partners that they work with, IOV Labs and others, um, they're very good. You know, the, these are these are market leaders, and and you know, uh, people who are people who are very much engaged uh, with the developing the market and the cutting edge of the market. So they understand where the market's going. They they can see the big picture and they know that um, uh, that certainly the blip or the crash that we've seen in crypto um, is nothing more than a correction, which of course is very much a healthy thing for, for any market. So certainly I think uh, if you were going to pick any company that was well-placed or Better, I think you'd have to look very hard to find any company that was better placed to take advantage of um, the burgeoning crypto sector than coin selling right now. Fantastic. So, staying within the technology sector, we're now going to look at Vela Technologies. Alan, this is one that we introduced on the podcast uh, about a month or so ago now but they've had a number of announcements recently what's the the latest installment of updates from them okay so so vela uh, technologies are um they're, they're an aimlessly company um share price is currently trading at um 0.28 0.028p giving it a market capitalization of 4.3 million now at uh, the start of may the company published an investment portfolio and asset value update. Um, the company has uh, 12 investee companies, um, eight of which are in positive territory. So it's got um, the company has uh, has uh, has uh, has eight um, eight uh, listed investments and four unlisted investments, plus others that have come to market. So um Certainly, of the companies that are in positive territory at the moment, um, the company has a shareholding in um, MTI Wireless Wireless Edge, and that's uh, very much in positive territory. Cornerstone, North Coders, um, and iGrain, all of which are in positive territory. Um, slightly behind the mark with Skillcast, and Skillcast, of course, published an update uh, this morning, uh, the, the AGM statement, uh, where the company said, it was pleased to report continuing growth in revenues and client base, and trades continue with uh, to be in line with expectations. Um, and the group gets or obtains subscription revenues from its uh, software as a service product, product. So that's a very a very strong revenue stream indeed. Um, and then we have um, we have other investments into Canobo, and of course Canobo was uh, is the cannabis company that floated um uh, uh, i think about uh, 18 months ago um and that has come back of course and that's reflected in the investment the company made likewise with mode of course mode plc um engaged in crypto and the mode share price has come back so that and also an investment in rural broadband are showing negative territory at the moment 
But um, the company also has an investment in Encilica, which was an unlisted investment. Um, it's from a 750,000 investment, it's already seen an uplift on the company coming to market, valued at about 852,000. Um, and of course, um, again, several uh, updates from Encilica this week. Um, the company announced yesterday, Encilica announced yesterday, um, it's it's a leading chip maker, of course, of mixed signal application specific integrated circuits, better known as ASICs. Um, so, alongside its joint venture partner, it's uh, it bought a, a mixed signal commercial uh, um, automotive ASIC to commercial production. Um, so, big step forward for the group. Um, and today, the company has announced it's it's taken it's strengthened its global sales network by appointing um, appointing a new v- VP of sales um, and also two sales representatives grouped with Quantum Leap Solutions Inc. and uh, also Cedar Technologies here in the UK. So, real sales drivers engaged there. So, I think we're going to see Encilica revenues accelerate, and that will of course reflect on the the Vela Technologies bottom line as well. So other other unlisted investments that will be coming to market, um, uh, the company um, uh, Aristec, uh, which recently raised a small amount of additional equity at £3 per share, um, uh, and the arguable valuation that's applied to the group is 437000 as opposed to an initial investment of 350000 we are awaiting an update on SGS, uh, where there was a large, uh, a large investment, um, uh, and, and also the, the, the investment was two point three million. Um, uh, arguable fair valuation at the moment of two point six million for that uh, company, and also Vela has an eight percent interest in the future royalties from the commercialization of a COVID nineteen treatment. So, so that's very much a, a, a work in progress. So. Uh, if we combine the uh, what the group has invested, um, there are total assets um, invested assets of uh, at third at the third of May of six point nine million. Now, uh, firstly, the company is trading at four point eight million, so the value of its uh, investments aren't even reflected in, in the market capitalization. Secondly, the arguable fair value today points to a valuation just short of eight million. And that's uh, and that is based on the uplift in companies like Encilica coming to market, the the uplift from investments in, into companies like North Coders, um, and this simply isn't reflected in the share price. So um, so straight away from a mathematical standpoint, um, if the markets were being kinder to uh, the small cap sector or small cap and uh, and uh, junior sector at the moment, I think we would see. I would think we would see a significant uplift in the Vela share price. And certainly going forward, we're going to see the communication and the output from the companies Vela has invested into accelerate over the coming months. So I think there's, I think at this level now, it offers an excellent opportunity to uh, be exposed to a broad range of technology companies that are really starting to grow and uh, some of which still have yet to come to market. Alan, just to finish off, is that you know they've also got a, quite a diverse portfolio. But for you personally, is there any one company within there that excites you the most uh, in terms of looking at them, thinking this is really uh, one that could do quite well for Vela going forward? Well, I, I've always uh, banged the drum for Mode. I think Mode have got an excellent platform for buying and selling crypto, and also, of course, engaging with a loyalty system and 
being able to use the app to purchase, buy and sell seamlessly. So I think mode is set for a turnaround very soon. Um, likewise, uh, you know, Canova, I, th- I think, is is also, uh, that, that will also realise valuation as we go forward this year. I think that's very much on order. But but there are there are so many good companies here. And I think that's what the team have done, you know, headed by James Normand and uh, Brent Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald. I mean, these two gentlemen are veterans of investing and the they undertake an exhaustive due diligence process for each company they invest into. And as I've said on, you know, when I've spoken to companies, when I've invested, when I've interviewed C, chief executives uh, over the past few months, um, the thing is, you know, if you if you walked into that company office, it's business as usual. You know, that company's doing what it's set out to do, what it was set up to do. Um, what isn't that value isn't being reflected in the share price at present um, because the markets are where they are. But at some point, there will be a readjustment, a readjustment and a reset, and that valuation will will be reflected and realised in 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 the uh, in in the company share price um, and. Uh, I think um, when you've got a company like Vela that has this broad exposure to technology, um, it's in a very exciting space. And any uplift in the markets, any change in valuation or re-rating is going to see a significant uplift, probably a disproportionately high uplift in the value of the Vela technology share price. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Alan. So just as a recap there of the companies we discussed today, uh, first of all was Barclay Group Holdings with a ticker of BKG. Uh, it was then Vela, uh, sorry, it was then Coincilium uh, with a ticker of COIN. And to finish off was Vela Technologies, which has a ticker of VELA. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. Uh a note to listeners, we have next week the UK Investor Magazine Summer Investor Evening being held in the City of London. Uh, do check out the events section on our website. There's still a limited number of in-person tickets available, but if you're unable to join us here in London, you will be able to join us virtually, so you'll be able to sign up and uh, experience it from the comfort of your own home. So do check out the events section and also the notes to this podcast for a link through to the event page. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk. 